0: hello hi everybody (laughs) welcome back welcome back we are so excited because this is our first episode of our Denis Marathon. Um, Denis is probably, I'd say, our favorite director. Is that am I misspeaking
1: there? I have a lot of favorite filmmakers. He's probably my favorite. We're talking about Denis Villeneuve. Um, he is a Canadian filmmaker. Um, he's incredible. And we'll dive more into why we love him so much here in a bit. But yeah, this we're taking a break from our... Oscar's movies and we're pivoting over to our Denis Villeneuve marathon because one he's one of our favorite filmmakers and two Dune Part 2 is coming out March 1st so we're going to be talking about several of our favorite films from him
0: Ari also loves Denis that's why she's joining us so if you can hear her yawning yawning in the background she's just so excited for today Okay um any other announcements before we dive in to our first movie? Um,
1: I don't think so. Do you? Do we have anything or do you have anything? Um,
0: no. Okay. It's just that Dune Part 2 comes out March 1st. Mm-hmm. And so we'll be doing a Denis Marathon up until then. So every Friday we'll start with Blade Runner, then we'll go to Arrival, then we'll go to Dune Part 1, and then we'll do our review for Dune Part 2 uh, a week after it comes out. So go see you in Part 2, Friday, March 1st. It's going to be a blast. We've seen snippets of it. It's pretty incredible. It looks incredible. Okay. And now we're diving into, as I said, Blade Runner 2049. Um, This is a sequel to the original Blade Runner made in, like, was it like 1982 or something like that?
1: Yeah, something like that. It was like late 70s or early 80s from what I can remember.
0: And the original has Harrison Ford. So it was like Mm -hmm. a big sci-fi movie uh, back in the 80s. Uh, But in... So in in this universe, both in the original and in this sequel, um, there are bioengineered humans, or so they're man-made. They're made by other human beings, not in like the natural way, but they're they're bioengineered humans called replicants, and these replicants are slaves. In the original, the prototype of the replicants basically revolted because they realized that they're basically humans, and they said, we don't want to be slaves anymore, um, and they wanted to be treated better. So that all got shut down, right? 30 years later, we're back. Um, There's a new prototype of of replicants called the Nexus 9. Um, They're they're manufactured to behave much better. And one of those replicants is K, which K is just the very beginning of his serial number because replicants don't have names because they're slaves. Um, And that's played by Ryan Gosling. And Ryan Gosling's character S.K., works for the Los Angeles Police Department as a Blade Runner. And a Blade Runner is basically assigned with going out and killing rogue replicants. Um, Mostly looking for those older models, those models that revolted back in the day. But really any replicant that shows sign of of going rogue um, is then put on kind of this Blade Runner's hit list and he goes and he kills them. Um, during his work, he unearths a long-buried secret that has the potential to plunge what is left of this society into chaos. His discovery leads him on a quest to find Rick Deckard, and that's Harrison Ford from the original, um, and Rick Deckard is a former Blade Runner who has been missing for the past 30 years, mm-hmm. and, and that's the plot without any spoilers. We will do a deep dive later on, but would you add anything to that, Kali Wally? Uh, no, I think you explained
1: everything great. Just, I mean, the original Blade Runner was kind of a flop when it was released. Oh, was I didn't know that. Released, it was made by Ridley Scott, who we have talked about a couple of times briefly. He made like Gladiator, uh, recently Napoleon and, but like Blade Runner when it released was a flop. It's kind of it's really odd. The ver the first one is a very odd movie. I mean the premise um, is odd. Like yeah. But I think both of these movies like deal with pretty like heady themes and like are pretty complicated to follow at times, but they're very different stylistically. But it's it's interesting. They're different stylistically, but they you can tell that they're from like the same universe, even though that yeah. one was made so many years ago. Um but yeah, it's the first one became like a cult classic and has had like this huge following, you know, and that's why they made a sequel to it is because, you know, there's the there's just so much you can pull from this. Yeah. It's like thematically deep. There's just a lot that you can do with this world that they created. So I understand why they made a sequel and I honestly genuinely believe that this that Blade Runner twenty forty nine is better than the original. Oh
0: yeah. Well it got nominated for quite a few things. Yeah. Um, do you want to walk us through what it won and, and what it was nominated for?
1: Yes. So this movie was pretty critically acclaimed. A lot of people, a lot of critics thought it was like one of the best sequels ever made. Oh, sweet. Um, it and really because, is fantastic. Because like the following like held, there was just a lot of expectations going into it. Like yeah. the cult following that that original film created, like they just had like unrealistic expectations for this movie and... I think Denis delivered because I haven't really heard anyone say that they were like disappointed by this. Um, But anyway, so it did pretty well at the Academy Awards. It was nominated for five different awards. um, And that included best cinematography, best production design. They used to split the sound categories into two different categories. So sound mixing and sound editing. um, And it was nominated for both and then best visual effects. And then it won cinematography, and visual effects. So and Roger Deakins is the cinematographer for this movie, and he is considered a legendary filmmaker. And he had never won an Oscar before this movie. So this was so his first one. It was his first one. Well deserved, Roger. Well it's a deserved. Beautiful movie to watch. I it mean is incredible.
0: Yeah, totally agree. I think that kind of leads us into why we love Denis in the first place. I mean, mm-hmm. when we think about how it's made. I mean, how about you, Stardust? You're the one who introduced me to Dennis Denis. <laughs> well, I remember the first
1: movie that I watched from him was Arrival. So that was back in 2016 when it was released. I would heard amazing things about it, and I'm a sucker for a good sci-fi movie, and people were saying that it's a great sci-fi movie. And I just remember being absolutely blown away by it when I first saw it. Um, and it's a movie that we rewatch annually, sometimes biannually. <laughs> but it's such a good movie and so layered, and so that really piqued my interest in him, like, and what he was capable of. And I'd heard that uh, he had other great movies. So the next movie I watched of his was *Prisoners*. And *Prisoners*, if you haven't heard of it, stars Jake Gyllenhaal and Hugh Jackman. And they, the plot essentially is like. Hugh Jackman's family is really good friends, family friends with everyone knows Viola Davis. So her family and both of their young daughters get kidnapped. And so they're just trying to figure out where they went and what happened and whatnot. And it's a, it's an, that's also a fantastic movie. Yeah. Um. So I was like, okay, so this guy knows what he's doing. Well, what is it that you
0: like? You know, when you say this guy knows what he's doing, what do you mean?
1: I just think he, really I mean what I like about him is just how much he cares about the craft of a movie Mm. so I think he really wants his audience to like feel and like come away with something and like really think about his movie and look up things afterwards and Mm -hmm. that's kind of how I function as a movie watcher is I just I want to think about it and like sit with it and read stuff up afterwards and maybe I don't pick up everything on first watch but then that you know, pushes me to rewatch it and whatever. And I don't necessarily think, personally, I think Blade Runner is probably his most confusing movie, but it's still like pretty accessible, I guess. You like, definitely
0: need to watch it two or, or three times, but it you can get all the context from the movie. Well, because I hadn't even seen
1: the original when I saw Blade like, Runner yeah. twenty forty nine, and I still feel like I understood maybe ninety percent of it. I don't know. And then, like, once I read the plot of the original movie, then I watched that, then it made more sense. But it still wasn't like, okay, I had no idea what was going on type of thing. So, um, but he just, like, the people that he hires onto his movies, like, the cinematography is always amazing. Yeah. You know, the writing is always good. Production design is always incredible. Production design is great. Visual effects are, yeah. Like, nothing feels cheap in his movies. And I think his stories are very well thought out. Yeah. and I've yet to see him miss. I think some people criticize his movies for the lack of humor, which I can see. Um, but, and maybe this is because I don't need that. Well, not <laughs> everything needs movies. to be a zinger. Well, like. and that's what I mean. Like, I think this is not a, sh- a shit on Marvel, you know, but Marvel, they're fun movies, yeah. you know, and they're enjoyable I always forget that I had watched them the next day, but they're still like across the board like 7 out of 10 movies for me. But the zingers in those movies. They've gotten worse over time. They have gotten worse over time and they just bring the movie down so much. It's almost like they are afraid of like having too serious of a plot cuz that might alienate their audience. Yeah. And you know, people love those damn zingers. Well,
0: and when we say zingers, we mean like the stupid, something like jokes where yeah. you're
1: like, They're right behind me, aren't
0: they? <laughs> Not this again. <laughs> that's gonna hurt in the morning. Just like the zingers where you're like, All right, <laughs> you're fighting for your life and you just like had to crack a joke. You yeah. know, like okay. And I that's what I just feel like plagues
1: those Marvel movies yeah. so much. Like and it just takes me right out every time. And maybe that's just me because I know a lot of people don't care and they're just like, okay, whatever. Like, they're fun and I think that's what people don't love about Denise movies is they aren't fun. They're too serious or take themselves too
0: seriously. But I don't know. I think that's I what think, I respect about him. I mean, yeah. so everything that you just said, I feel like he really is intentional with the people he picks to work on his movies mm-hmm. and it pays off in the world building. That's what I really like. Every world that Denis creates through a movie feels absolutely real to me. And like, real life is not always full of zingers. So like, I feel like, you know what I mean? He doesn't lean into that. He makes sure that he's staying true to what the story is. And not every story calls for comedic relief every five minutes, you know? Like sometimes we're telling a serious story that's interesting and he wants it to feel as real as possible. And I think he does that really well. Well, and I think I can see why people are like,
1: if we're dealing with heavy themes, you kind of need comedic relief at times, but I don't find his movies with the exception of maybe prisoners. Yeah. I don't feel like they deal with insanely heavy themes. It's manageable. It's manageable. So I feel like he trusts his audience enough to pay attention without those stupid jokes, you know, and that's not to say that there aren't like, I think there's like dark humor here and there throughout his movies, but it's not like, an intentional, you know, like zinger that I'll just randomly throw in. And so I think that's what I love about this movie is it is like a darker sci fi movie, but I just think like the way that he handles the themes and like this world is so interesting and thought provoking. I don't know. I'm obsessed with Denis,
0: but same big fat ditto. Um, and we'll start to explain why. So this is our spoiler section. So if you haven't seen the movie and you don't want any spoilers, uh, go ahead and stop now. If you haven't seen the movie though, I still might recommend listening to this section. I think a recap, we'll do a recap right after this. I think a recap is helpful Mm -hmm. to understand what's going on because it is a lot, you know, like it's a sequel. So there's kind of this context you need to know about. Um, And so we'll walk through that. Um, And so without further ado, here's our little recap of uh, Blade Runner 2049. So as we mentioned, Kay is is played by Ryan Gosling um, and he is a Blade Runner whose job is to go and they, they say retire other mm-hmm. replicants, which means to kill them. Um, so Kay goes to retire some old replicant on this like sci-fi looking larva farm because the world is in chaos and terrible and they have to like grow all of their own food basically. Um, so he goes to retire this replicant, kills him, and after he kills him, he finds a box of bones from a woman replicant. Um, upon analysis of these bones back at, you know, LAPD headquarters, it turns out that she was pregnant and had a Mm C-section. Now this is kooky and this is crazy because replicants can't reproduce. So this is wild. And they also don't have bones of the baby. So there's a replicant baby out there somewhere living its life, um... And Kay's boss, Ryan Gosling's boss, who's a human being and, and chief of like the LAPD, starts to freak out because she thinks that this could cause chaos and basically destroy the world, because a replicant having a baby continues to kind of blur the lines of. Are replicants human or not? Yeah, so in the first movie with Harrison Ford, that was like a huge issue. Is replicants basically revolted because they're like, Um, we can do everything human, we are can literally do. you guys, you just made us in a
1: lab, but like we're still literally you. When well, they just essentially made them to be slaves, and yeah. they don't necessarily explain, like, it's a very broad term slave, but like it's like any type of slave you can think of, like, yeah. just like a labor slave, sex slave, like anything, any like that. kind of, and yeah. So,
0: That's what replicants are used for. So there's Mm -hmm. like prostitute replicants, there's factory worker replicants, Mm -hmm. all of the dirty work jobs that human beings have to do are replaced with replicants. Yeah. Um, So replicants being able to have babies is also interesting to our evil supreme tech overlord wizard, Mr. Wallace. So think basically Elon Musk, if Elon Musk was (laughs) actually talented and smart and could do things. But also played by Jared Leto. But also played by Jared Leto, <laughs> who's very creepy, not essential to the plot, but he's blind, but he sees with these little tiny robots that he's made. Mm-hmm. So that's not explained well in the movie. I had to look that up because there's like these little robots that like fly around his head, and his eyes are like glazed over and all white. And I was like, "What's going on?" He's blind, everyone. So, yeah. I mean, it's like kind
1: of obvious because his eyes are sort of like glazed over. Oh and you yeah, can tell totally that he obvious. Like cannot see at least to me. It was yeah, period. <laughs> he just like cannot see. <laughs> Like Love, his replicant assistant. Like she's like always walking around him and he's like not like aware of her.
0: And so I don't know. We'll we'll get into Love. (laughs) So Wallace is this supreme overlord and he got so famous because he's the one who figured out how to farm food on earth, which is dying and becoming um, uninhabitable. Is that the right word? Mm -hmm. Um, And he's interested in replicants being able to reproduce because he wants to you know, create replicants who can reproduce to basically save on production costs. So if replicants can reproduce, it speeds up the process of how many replicants um, you can have at one time. So it's basically a business venture for him. He's like, oh yeah, sweet. Like if we can have them create themselves, that really works in our favor. Um, the problem is he doesn't know how to make replicants that can reproduce because Tyrell, Eldon Tyrell, was the, the one who created the first round of replicants. So if you remember from movie one, there's replicants. They were not created by evil supreme overlord Wallace. They were created by Eldon Tyrell. Um, and he went out of business after the replicants rebelled because everyone was like, you created these crazy people who like attacked us and rebelled against us. But Wallace bought out his company and revamped the replicants to quote, be more obedient. I don't know what that means, but basically they obey better um, and he wants to make them reproduce so they can use them as slave labor. So in order to do that, he sends his super bad bit, assistant love who really slays me i love is insane and scary but she's like she's terrifying she's terrifying she's this beautiful assistant lady and he's like go follow ryan gosling around and see what he finds about this baby because i want to do a bunch of tests and figure out how they were able to reproduce so any questions so far from me yeah from the audience <laughs> from anyone um no i do okay not. <laughs> anything to add before we dive into the rest No, keep going. You're doing great. (sighs) Okay. So now we are back to Ryan Gosling, K, and he's investigating. He's trying to find out where this baby is, this replicant baby. And while he's investigating, you're also kind of getting snapshots into what it looks like to be a replicant. So human beings don't treat him very nice. Like his neighbors who are humans hate him and they treat him really bad. Um, he can't really show emotion. He, like, has to go through all these crazy tests every time he comes back from a mission to make sure that he doesn't really, like, feel anything. They're, like, these weird psychological tests. And his only companionship is this AI sex bot named Joy, mm-hmm. um, played by Anna Ana de Armas. De Armas so. And she rocks. So they're, like, both technically, like, artificial human beings, but... In different ways. Like, Anna de Armas is, or Joy... She is more of
1: like a hologram AI. She's not like an actual robot, but she's designed to like cater to all the needs that Kay has in yeah. the movie. So like she's designed to love him and he like believes that she actually loves
0: Well, Ken. and I think she does. I don't know about that. I think she does, but that is a debate for after this recap, but we will <laughs> but get her, into it.
1: Her character is very, very interesting. I love
0: Joy. Joy yeah. rocks. Um, So anyways, you kind of see what his life is like. And he's also having these flashbacks of like quote unquote memories. These aren't real memories of his childhood. Um, They're not real, they're just implanted to help replicants. So all replicants get memories implanted into their brain to help them control their emotions. Because without these implanted memories, replicants are basically like adult toddlers. Because if you think about it, you need the experiences that you have to teach you how to regulate your emotions. Um, and so they implant these memories to kind of help stabilize the emotional stability of the replicants. Um, and during his investigation, however, lots of evidence starts to convince him that the memories that he has of his, you know, quote unquote childhood are actually real. Um, there's, he has this memory of being in an orphanage and hiding a toy horse and... Um, And basically he just discovers that it's real. So like he, in his investigation, he like finds the actual toy horse that he has a memory of hiding. And so then he's like starting to freak out and he's like, oh my gosh, am I this little baby
1: kid? Yeah. Cause he finds the, the toy that he remembers next to the remains of the woman that had the C-section. So he starts to think, am I this kid? You know, like, am I actually like half human, half replicant type
0: thing? Like, Yeah, anyway. When he even goes so far as to visit one of the memory makers. So there's Mm -hmm. human beings who make memories to implant into replicants. And he's like, hey, can you verify if this is a real memory or a manufactured one? And she goes through it and she's like, it's real. real. This really Mm -hmm. happened to someone. And he's like, oh, shit, that might be me. And so then one thing leads to another another, and his investigation leads him to Las Vegas in Mm -hmm. search of Harrison Ford's character, um what was his name uh deckard deckard um who's been hiding out in las vegas forever and so he goes and is like trying to figure out details because it's pretty sure that deckard is the father of the baby um and so he's going and they after some initial you know highs and lows they bond but just when they're trying to like about to get to the good stuff are um, sexy little assassin assistant lady love comes, kidnaps Harrison Ford and basically leaves Ryan Gosling to die. But he's then rescued by a replicant resistance party. Um, and they unfortunately have to break the news to him that he's not the replicant baby, mm-hmm. but the memory maker who he visited is actually the replicant baby who they've hidden as a memory maker. Um, to, and she she's implanting replicants with her real memories. Yes. um, So after he finds this out, long story short, he goes and saves Ford from crazy sexy love assassin assistant girl. He's morally wounded, but he basically does all of this so that Harrison Ford can go and meet his daughter for the first time. Because Harrison Ford, in order to keep his daughter's identity a secret, never didn't stay for the delivery. He just like, he just left left. and went into hiding because of it, essentially.
1: Like, and he was distraught about. You know, because he, he fell in love with Rachel, the original replicant from the first movie. And that's movie. the mom. And that's the mom. And she eventually died, you know, whether that... Giving birth during the C-section. It, is it confirmed that it was I'm pretty birth? sure, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, they, he just like gave the baby to... An orphanage. Was, was it the orphanage? I, I thought it. he left her in the care of like that resistance group. Maybe somehow she ends up at the orphanage though. Cause he, he mixed up and made it sound like she had twins, which she, I think she did have twins, but the boy died, but he mixed up like, I don't know. I, don't know. I think like they the just scrambled pool. the records because yeah, but he did it because I know, but I
0: don't think there was twins. I think he just scrambled oh. the, he made a duplicate copy. So it would be harder to find, you know how I said I understood everything. I did not. <laughs> so, well, you obviously. understood the important parts. <laughs> um, but anyways, that's the movie in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. And with that said, what are you taking away, Colin? How do you think that this weird sci-fi movie about sex robots and human <laughs> robots and crazy think, future world applies to all of us?
1: I think, well, so the story follows Kay, who's a, just a standard replicant, but he's like a Blade Runner. So a lot of like other replicants kind of look down on him for that because they're like, okay, you're kind of like killing your own. Yeah. thing. But um, I think it's interesting because the whole time he thinks like he's like this special, you know, person symbolizing the uprising against humans, you know, because he thinks that he's this child. But then it turns out he finds out that he's not, you yeah. know, and that he's just another replicant that had memories inserted into him. And he doesn't like spiral because of that. And he ends up like being... Special because he, you know, he helps out Deckard. He, he goes against what the resistance wanted him to do because they wanted him to kill Deckard because th- they thought that he would spill all their secrets to Jared Leto's ca- character, Wallace, and everything. But he doesn't. He ends up going to save him and then he brings him to his daughter, which he had always wanted to, you know, he wanted to meet his daughter and yeah. everything. And I don't know. I love that. I like a story where it's like the hero of the story is nothing special. I don't know, this is stupid, but it comes to mind. And so like this the sequel to the Star Wars trilogy, you know, the sequel trilogy they call it. So in the second movie, The Last Jedi, they tease that she's not special Rey. Yeah. And then and everyone was like, oh, that's kind of interesting, you know, like everyone was thinking she might be a Skywalker, she might be, you know, a descendant of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like they truly thought she might be something special or not something special, whatever. And then they completely changed that in the last movie because there were a lot of people that were upset by that. Yeah. You know, they were like, well, we want her to be a Skywalker, you know, like that fits within the whole whatever. But I feel like they had finally made Star Wars interesting with that where it's like I was like, oh, cool. Raising nobody. That's awesome. But then in the last movie, they're like, oh, nope, she's a Palpatine. And so it's like, okay. Well, why do
0: you feel like that message resonates with you? Well,
1: I think especially when it, within the context of like the Star Wars universe, it means like anyone can be a Jedi. Anyone can be special. You yeah. know? Anyone can be the hero of the story. It doesn't have to be a Skywalker. It doesn't have to be someone who's already part of a special family. You know yeah. what I mean? And so like that's what I like about this is like K is nothing special. Yeah. You know, he's just another standard replicant. And he ends up you know, making it so this like uprising doesn't happen. Essentially, there's not a war between- But the resistance can keep going. But the resistance can keep going, you know, like, but he maintains that peace by going against what all these people are saying to him, even though he's not special. Like, I think he wanted to be something special to like be the symbol of the resistance or whatever. He wanted
0: to be human.
1: He wanted to be woman born, right? But that would mean that he was the child of, you know, Rachel, which would have been groundbreaking. But he wasn't, you know. And so I, I
0: agree. I think what's interesting is throughout the whole movie, you can see that all of the replicants secretly wish they were, quote unquote, human, like even love. Like you can see that, like, there's these pieces of them that that they've been told by whether you want to call it their coding or their conditioning, that they are not human. They are mm-hmm. not as worth as much as human beings. And so you can see them like wishing and hoping, but believing the conditioning that they've been given. But then, you know, everyone's like, well, you're just made in a lab, basically. But I think when Ryan Gosling thinks that he might be, you know, born from an actual woman or a replicant woman, he might be woman born, I think it makes him feel like he finally is special. Like he's like, like, I I can be more human than I thought I was, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, he's finally getting a taste of feeling like he has value and worth. Um, but I I agree that I like that it wasn't him and that the Mm -hmm. secret was, it's like you had that worth all along. Yeah. You know, you had this, you were capable of being good and doing good things all along. You don't need to be something different than what you are to be good. And I think that's what I really like about the movie is I think it explores really complex ideas around what it means to be human, you know, what your identity means. I think all of us can relate to feeling like our conditioning has led us to believe that we are a certain way. Mm -hmm. I mean, not to beat a dead horse, but if you haven't caught on, Colin and I are both gay. (laughs) And I think we can relate to that, right? Of like being told since you're very little that who you are is wrong, is lesser than. And I think even when I came out, sometimes I still viewed myself as like a second class citizen. Like I was like, I'd accepted that I was gay. And I'd also in a twisted way, accepted that I just wasn't as good as straight people. But I think the longer that I've been out and the more I'm starting to really unpack what I was told by various sources growing up is that, no, like I am just as good and have just as much worth as anybody else, you know, and that that conditioning actually isn't true. And I think you can see that happen with the replicants, you know, because they look human, they can feel like humans do, they act like humans do. For all intents and purposes, they are human, and yes, it's exaggerated because they are like robots. Yeah, you know, but I think that's the point of the sci-fi movie: is it's like how many times in our own society are there real-life human beings that we've tried to say are lesser than because of the color of their skin, or their sexual orientation, or their gender identity, or their income level, or their education level? I mean, that's a very common thing to yeah. say because you are this, you're not as much worth as as me, um, and I think. Thinking about the own messaging in your life and how that's impacted the way you view yourself and what you're capable of is an important exercise. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about the things that you've been told. Have you, has, you know, some kind of messaging put limits on you or made you feel like you can't do things that you wanna do or that you wish you could do? You know, what's holding you back? And so I really like that theme from this movie of what, it, what does it mean to be human? You know, and what is my identity? Who do I think I am? What stories do I tell about myself? And do I agree with those stories? And who told them to me? Mm-hmm. You know, and can I push back on them? And can I create my own story and my own narrative? Um, and I think that's the really satisfying part of the ending for Ryan Gosling is like, in the end, he wasn't special, but he was. Yeah. You know, he's like he wasn't as spe- he wasn't special in the way he thought he should be. But he was just him and being him was enough to have the joy and the the freedom that he always wished he had. Yeah.
1: Well, and that's where I feel like so Joy's character comes in because she's telling him throughout this movie that he's special, you know, that she really believes that he is the child of Rachel. And like, I mean, I remember talking with Jace while we were watching the movie and I was like, I don't think that she I think she's just designed to like cater to his needs and like give him his affirmations that he needs you know but i don't think like this robot this hologram actually loves him and he was like pushing back at me but i what makes me think that is like towards the end because joy actually gets destroyed by love's character or sylvia hoax's character love towards the end and then ryan gossing's character is just like walking down the street and he sees like this advertisement of joy. Cause it's like a literal product developed by, yeah. you know, the Wallace, Wallace corporation. And it like sees him like this hologram and it walks over to him and she's like, you look like you could be a Joe or something like that. And earlier on in the movie, she, because she like starts thinking that he's special and whatnot, she calls him Joe. She's like, you should have a name. Yeah. Why don't we call you Joe? And then I think in his head, he realizes, I don't think she actually loved me. I think this was just designed to, you know, give me my affirmations that I needed. And that's because it's like this hologram that like had never seen me before comes up to me. You look like you could be a Joe. Like they're all designed the same. They're all just designed to love whoever buys them which I find that interesting. I don't this know. This is
0: my... I agree. That's a really good take. And I. you're probably right. <laughs> this is what I think, is there's a scene when... So as Colin mentioned, they scrambled the DNA records, the birth certificate records of the actual replicant baby. So they made one female copy and one male copy just to try to throw someone off the scent if they were looking for the baby. Um, and while he's looking at the DNA codes, Joy says in his his ear, she's like, isn't it interesting that human beings are just... You know, just like us, they're just a combination of codes, Mm -hmm. you know, so computers are made from coding and human beings are made from DNA codes. Yeah. And so I, maybe this is just wishful thinking because I ship Ryan Gosling and Anade Armas. I ship (laughs) K and Joy. I K and Joy. I love them. I think they're very cute. I think she does love him, but she is confined to the limitations of her computer code. Yeah. So she can only say words that she's been coded to know how to say. I mean, that's how computers work is you have to code each individual element of what they're able to do. So I think to the extent that she can, she does love K. Mm -hmm. You know, because she is affectionate towards him and like she does motivate him. And maybe that's how she was designed to be, but does that make it any less real? I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, I think she really did care about him. And they do connect on kind of that, like they were, they're were they made by man-made code. They're not made by, you know, bio code, like, you know, natural human beings, but they do have genetic code that was just made from a computer. Yeah. And so that's like, she can't give him another name because the only name she's ever been given is Joe in her coding, you know. But I think she meant it. It was very, it was very sweet and sentimental. Like the way she crafts... Her limitations to be kind to him, I don't know. I think you get hints of, like, her humanity, but she's limited by the the coding that she was given. And Ryan Gossing's character has much more coding. He's a much more advanced computer, if you will. He yeah. has a full organic body, you know, whereas Joy is a hologram. So, like, obviously his ability to love her is deeper. Um, but that's just a rant of mine. I think it's mostly wishful thinking, but... That's but what I, I think.
1: I think another interesting part of this movie is when... So I don't even think this is provoked by Kay at all, but Anna de Armas, Joy, she wants... She feels like Ryan is not getting the emotional connection he needs with her because he can't be physical with her because she's just a hologram. So she like hires this replicant prostitute and she comes up to you know, Kay's apartment and she's like, I hired this girl, like and I'm gonna pay her to, you know, have sex with you, but like I'll be like <laughs> how do I even They say sync this? up. She they like sync up, yeah. She links up with this replicant so that it look it's like Anna de Armis's face on this prostitute, like her body and everything. So she like links up with her coding and everything. So it's like he's having sex with Anna de Armis's character. They're making
0: love. Yes.
1: Well, see, that's (laughs) what I mean is if
0: she was just a hologram, why would she go out of, she's like literally doing an act of service. Like she's like literally being empathetic. She's like being selfless. She's like, I love you. I want to increase our relationship. That's what makes me think that like she's real, but she's limited by her coding. Like she's just limited by the situation she's in. Well, and it's interesting because neither
1: of them are real. So like Joy's not real and that replicant prostitute is technically not a real person. But they're they like kind of argue with each other yeah. about who's more real and who understands Kay more. And the replicant prostitute is like, I feel like I do because I can actually touch him and you can't kind yeah. of thing. I don't know. just
0: interesting. See, and she's jealous. If she was just a computer, why would she be jealous? Yeah. These are like, again, it goes back to the, the complex <laughs> question. I was like, what does it mean to be human? You know, what does it mean? And I think there's lots of interesting elements was like, well, does it mean I can touch you or does it mean that I can feel jealousy? Yeah. You know, cause if it's just, I can feel jealousy, then joy is just as human as this replicant prostitute. Mm-hmm. But if it means also having a physical body, then yeah, Joy's is not a human and the replicant is more human. Or does it mean that you just have to be born, you know, by natural man and woman, you know? Yeah. Is that what it means to be human? But then it's like, but if they can feel and feel pain and feel misery, just like regular humans, like what makes them different about how they got here?
1: I, yeah. I still stand by I don't think she loves him. I don't I think it's just a computer designed like to do that. I mean even the hiring the prostitute scene, I still feel like
0: But why would she do because that? Because she
1: probably felt that Kay wasn't getting his emotional needs met. And so she just was trying to provide for his emotional needs by doing that. And so But why
0: would she feel jealous?
1: Because maybe Kay wants to see her be jealous to make it. But him, she didn't do it in front of Kay.
0: Well, I don't it know. was a private conversation. <laughs> See, we've had many discussions about that. That's this.
1: what makes this movie interesting. Yeah. You know, like, and I think too, so Kay and Love, I feel like are like the antithesis or like they're opposites of each other. Yeah. Like both of them want to be special, but in different ways. Yeah. You know, Kay wants to be, he thinks that he's this replicant child and love just wants to be the most like known replicant, or like the strongest and toughest one i feel like she's been and coded
0: to like crave wallace's love and affection well does, does that make even sense? more than
1: that i think she just like wants to be the strongest and best one out of all yeah. of them and so like but she also just like wants to experience you know that feeling and that, that's what i don't necessarily know is if like these replicants are actually feeling these things or if they just like are seeing other human beings feel these emotions and are trying to like replicate that. Does that make sense? I think they really
0: are feeling them because they have the memory. So they know what it feels like. So they like understand what they're feeling, but it does feel clunky to them because they haven't had a whole lifetime of experience to learn how to feel those emotions. But to your point, I think like love it's feeling the same emotion that we all feel of like, I want to be accepted. I want to be loved, but she's not getting that. So she's Mm -hmm. lashing out. She's like thinking, okay, I I need to be stronger. I need to be the strongest and the best to get the love and respect that I'm, my soul is searching for. Yeah. And Kay is the one who comes to this realization that like, love comes from within baby. Like the, the only person who can give you, you know, permission to feel loved is yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's, I think, a, an important message. It's like, you get to decide if you're good enough. Yeah, You know, good enough for who? Like, who cares what other people think? Are you good enough for yourself? And you can say yes at any moment. You really can. You can say, you know what? Yeah, I am worthy of love. I'm worthy of respect because I say so. I think that's the point of the movie too, is it doesn't matter
1: who you are. You don't have to be this special, you know, symbol for like an uprising or resistance or anything like that you can just be you and you're golden you know and i think that's what sylvia hoax's character love fails to realize you know and that's kind of her downfall whereas i mean k you know spoiler also dies at the end but he he dies with so
0: much contentment so much peace yeah he gave for others
1: Mm -hmm. rather than like I think he has a moment where he's feeling sad that he's not the child. But then I think he quickly realizes that that's not what's important. And he does the right thing. Yeah. And I think that's what makes this movie interesting and beautiful to me. That's what know. makes him
0: human, <laughs> he's Which loving think... his fellow man. <laughs> that was good. Thank you. My new single coming out. Anyway. <laughs>
1: But this is why I love Denise so much. I feel like Mm -hmm. he really works with human emotion a lot and like doing the right thing, even when it's probably not what
0: you want to do.
1: I mean, Arrival deals with that. Yeah,
0: Um, He really puts the conversion in (laughs) cinematic conversion, baby. He's putting the conversion in cinema.
1: Yes. And... (laughs) Yeah I just I think this movie is really thought-provoking the performances are great you know Ryan Gosling kills I feel like this is a very underrated performance by him Mm -hmm. because the replicants can seem pretty monotone at times because I think they like don't know how to really express their emotions and then when he does have like angry outbursts they're kind of like over the top and at first you're like well why is this like it's not that big of a deal why is he screaming and freaking out but it's like he doesn't know how to like express those emotions because he's not actually human and i don't know i i think he's great i think sylvia hoax probably gives the best performance in that movie i think she's terrifying as love um anna de Armas is great jared Jared leto manages to not ruin this movie (laughs) (laughs) i thought he was good and he's fine he's scary some people think that he overacts in this movie, but I feel he like overacts in I think everything. people just hate him. Yeah. And so they're like, Yeah, he's sucked in this too. But I really don't think he's bad. This I would not say this is a bad
0: performance from him. But oh, so my final thought <laughs> is right. So Jared Leto's trying to figure out how to make replicants have babies, right? And he's like, What did Tyrell know? I truly think that the secret to replicants being able to make babies is being in love. <laughs> because Rachel and Deckard were in love, and they had a baby. Honestly,
1: that might be. You might be onto something. Because I, I know I'm onto something. Because I think that was the first case of of a replicant, a replicant falling uh, in love with a human. Honestly, is maybe. Deckard a
0: human? I, I thought th- he was. He might also be a replicant. Either no, way, I think he's human. Either way, I don't think it's it's
1: specified. I think that is kind of like up to you. One of the Themes of the first movie is whether or not he is as well. So, like Ryan Gosling, they play with that. But I think from I could be wrong. I'd have to rewatch the first one, but I think that's kind of what they play with too is whether or not Harrison Ford is as
0: well. But I'd have to rewatch it. I don't remember. So well, that's okay. The power of love <laughs> is the theme here. Okay, final rating.
1: I mean, maybe this is my bias coming through. I give this movie a ten. I think this movie is just so beautiful to watch. I think, you know, we've talked about it already, but I'll reiterate reiterate that like the cinematography is just gorgeous in this movie. I don't, I honestly don't know if I can think of another movie that's as beautiful as this. Just like the colors and like the choice of like the, where the camera is and just like the shots in this movie are just so beautiful. It looks real, even though it's like set in like this dystopian, you know, futuristic world like it's our world, but it's like futuristic and dystopian and but it looks so real yeah I don't know and that's another thing that I love about Denise movies is just how real they feel um so and I think the performances are great. I just the score is great I mean I no notes perfect no notes
0: perfect no notes <laughs> <sighs> i I don't I'm giving it a nine out of ten. I don't know why I just feel like I can't give a ten out of ten. So this is the podcast where we cancel (laughs) Jade. I do love this movie. I just feel like a 10 out of 10, I will say, well, I don't know. Maybe this is just my own upbringing. There were like a lot of, there's a lot of nudity, which I get. I get that like, it's kind of playing on how a lot of the replicants are being used for sex work, basically, which is very true. Like, that's a real thing that happens in real society. Um, and so I understand that theme and I think it is important that like people are more than just sex objects, you know, as much as you want to treat people as sex objects, they are living, breathing human beings with thoughts and feelings. So maybe, okay, maybe I go back on that. I don't know. There's just like so many titties sometimes. I was like, I don't need to see another titty. I feel like. Even if it's a hologram titty, I just is, don't need yeah, to see
1: it. I was just going to say, this is not me defending the nudity at all. But a lot of the nudity that is showcased, I mean, there's a few scenes. It's in it's like it's statues
0: real. or like hologram like, yeah,
1: statues. And then like when he runs into the hologram of Anna de Armas, it's, yeah. it's fake. Like it's not yeah. her actual titties. You yeah. know? <laughs> but it's just, you know. But. I I get what you mean. And that's something that another criticism that the film received was just like how the women were portrayed. And like they asked any point blank. They were like, well, seems like women are kind of just used as sex objects in this in this film. Like, what do you have to say about that? And he was like, no, I I understand that it is also a dystopian society. And he's like, I'm trying to like reiterate the point that this is a bad society yeah you know and any bad society is going to be misogynistic and he tra- he was like i tried to make the point that like that was bad and like the forced sex work is bad so
0: that's why it was showcased but i get well, that like maybe you is- don't
1: have to showcase the nudity to that does that make sense yeah
0: I don't know. no i really do like the point because if we're talking about treating human beings as slaves you know mm-hmm women have been treated as sex objects and sex slaves for a millennium and it's not okay. And I think that's why I'm uncomfortable with it. I think maybe that is the point is like, I I get what he's saying and I'm just really mad that that is an actual reality. Yeah. Because if you remember from our Barbie episode, I love the ladies and I just am so tired of them not getting the respect they deserve. (laughs) So anyways, okay. Well, Thank you for joining us on this episode of Cinematic Conversion. Next week on Tuesday, we we will be releasing another double episode on Maestro, directed by Bradley Cooper, and then All of Us Strangers. Um, It's going to be very gay. It's going to be very... We're going to be crying. We're going to be unpacking gayness. Both of these movies center gay characters. And they
1: feature that very differently. differently. And that's why we're kind of putting these two films together. We also, Jason and I have agreed... And maybe this is a spoiler for our next episode, but Maestro, we don't think should have made Best Picture.
0: So tune in next time to understand so, why
1: we think that. And we do think all of us strangers should, should have. have. Yeah. So that's kind of why there's a lot of reasons why we're putting these two movies together. But that's anyway, just as
0: a disclaimer. And as another disclaimer, Colin and I sobbed in All of Us Strangers. So there might be crying. There might be tears. There might be sobbing. I Who knows? I don't
1: cry normally during movies. As I've gotten older, I feel like I, I've gotten a little softer. Maybe it's just because I'm unpacking my internalized... Well, and I'm
0: a crier. I feel like... Well, yeah.
1: But I, well, I <laughs> we like didn't new. This is a crying household. This is a safe place to cry. But I, in the theater, was sobbing at this movie. And I was like, what the hell is wrong with me? I'm crying next to this 25-year-old girl. And I could tell she
0: was like, is this man okay? What is going on? anyway we needed to exit the premises it was so just come prepared <laughs> there i don't know how next episode is going to go there might legitimately be crying so some throwing up so if you want to listen to me call and colin cry for 45 minutes about gay then tune in next time on cinematic conversion bye, bye. <laughs>